Hey everybody, just wanted to pop in at the beginning to let you know that even though this episode is Christmas-themed and pretty relentlessly lighthearted, we do still discuss the subjects of childbirth-related death and gangrene and related amputations. So if this could be triggering for you, maybe you'll want to skip this episode out or at least be prepared before you go in. Uh, either way, enjoy the show! Live from quarantine, it's not if I reboot you first. The podcast that, uh, to, oh, I messed it up. What do we do? <laughs> um, we reboot properties before Hollywood ha- has the chance to. That's right. It's a little bit like brainstorming fan fiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. You see how if I try and change things up just even, even a little bit and I <laughs> immediately mess up. Tanner plans and God laughs. <laughs> Speaking of God, <laughs> it's the birthday month of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which was appropriated from uh, Saturnalia, Sol Invectus, and Yule. If you actually read the Bible and know a little bit about like the weather in Israel... The problem is, the shepherds are out in the middle of the night, tending to their sheep in the open fields, and in the middle of December, it would be rainy as fuck. Like Florida. Yeah. So, really, Jesus is probably a spring baby. Alright then. Yeah. And in order to celebrate this fake birthday, his Jesus' Marianne birthday, we're <laughs> making, I believe, a cowboy movie? Yeah. <laughs> this is so weird (laughs) because i did want to do like a proper christmas film and being my weird idiosyncratic self i have decided that we are going to be rebooting a john wayne movie (laughs) (laughs) from 1948 (laughs) not as problematic as you think it would be for john wayne yeah (laughs) well good job i guess (laughs) Well, that's a simple enough story. Anyway, we're going to be rebooting Three Godfathers, which is based off of... It's a 1948 film by John Ford, shot in Death Valley. It stars uh, John Wayne, Harry Carey Jr., and Pedro Armendariz. It's based off of a a novelette that had been adapted twice before. Hmm. Uh, The novelette was from 1913. It's called The Three Godfathers by Peter B. Keane. Uh, it was adapted in 1919 as The Marked Men, a silent film that is lost. And again in 1916, I... No, the 1916 one was first, and then the 1919 one, that's lost. Probably because of one of the many studio fires that happened. Because ah. cellulose nitrate film is extremely flammable. Alright then. Yeah, a lot of films <laughs> were lost through that. So, the general premise, and anime fans, you uh, might find some similarities. So, three cattle wrestlers who are kind of down on their luck try their hand at stealing from a bank. And um, they do manage to get away, but they are pursued by the local sheriff and a posse that they had met prior to stealing from this uh, bank. And they had been talking with the sheriff and his wife. And his wife is like, oh, yeah, my niece is coming in from such and such town with her husband. And um, you were coming up from that trail, weren't you? And they're like, yeah, did you see them? Nope. 
So they steal from the bank, they run off, they get pursued, and then disaster kind of hits when they get lost in the desert and then stuck in a sandstorm for a bit. And the horses run off, so they're like, fuck, we need water. We're gonna die. Also, one of them got shot, but this is 1948, so there's no blood at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they come across this wagon, and it's next to a well that got dynamited. Why? Um, so, uh, in this wagon... There's a woman who is in labor. She needs help. She explains through the labor pains that her dipshit of a husband <laughs> uh, tried to uh, clear the sand out of this well. And he accidentally cracked the bottom of the well. So now it can't hold water like ever. Even if like all of a sudden just heavens open up and you get Noah style flood water, it's never going to hold water ever again. So in order to help her out and collect water because they're going to need water for the birth and water to drink, the uh, two of the guys start cutting up cacti because there was, thankfully, some cacti around. Which is probably not the most sanitary thing out there, but what you going to do? Drink cactus juice. It'll quench you. Nothing's quenchier. It's the quenchiest. <laughs> well, luckily, the baby is delivered healthy, but the woman, of course, dies soon afterwards. But she's like... Get my son to safety. I want you to be uh, his godfathers. What's their names? Their names are Robert, Bob, um, William, who gets called the Abilene kid because he's from Abilene, and Pedro, the one Mexican. Played by Pedro. Yeah, played by Pedro. (laughs) Are we casting Pedro Pascal in this? If you want. (laughs) Everyone, Everyone in our remake has to share of the first name with one of the actors from the original. <laughs> so Robert Pattinson, Pedro Pascal, who's... A and Harry Shum Jr. Oh, yeah! <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, luckily, the mother was smart enough to actually, like, pack stuff for the baby. So they have, like, clothes they've got... I'm dying. Here's, here's the booty bag. <laughs> yeah, here's the baby bag with six <laughs> cans of condensed milk and a bunch of other stuff and a book to help help you figure out how to take care of a baby because, like, here's the thing, and it's very understandable. These guys are probably familiar with how to give birth or, like, the birthing process. These for, like, men have cows, given birth before. Sheep, horses, like that. But they have an argument to try and figure out who has the most knowledge about, you know, birthing human babies <laughs> which none of them really do is, is there is there is there a cowboy slapstick birthing scene no they actually do take this whole thing seriously because the mother does die yeah but she's not dead yet you're, you're allowed to do slapstick up until the moment when someone dies and even then, you might still be able to get away with it. They made at least two movies about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jersey's Girl was supposedly a comedy, and Jennifer Lopez dies. Okay, I guess I guess three movies then, because I was thinking of the two weekends of Bernie's. <laughs> Wait, are you telling me there's a weekend at JLo's? <laughs> no, they're not pretending that she's alive. She's just like, uh, oh, I forget who was the main lead in that movie. But yeah, she was like the main love interest for the first half and gives birth to Gertrude and then dies. 
because birthing, as it turns out, even in the modern day with modern technology and the sterile safety of a hospital, can still be very dangerous for women. Yeah. And this poor mother was giving birth to a baby in the back of a chuck wagon in the middle of the Arizona desert. At the bottom of a well, surrounded by (laughs) dynamite. (laughs) Might as well. So yeah, the majority of the second act is, it's almost like an extended second act. It's a very short first act and a very short third act. So most of it is just uh, Bob, the Abilene kid, and Pedro trying to get little, trying to get the baby to a town that they know is nearby, while also being pursued by a posse. (laughs) Oh, pursued by a posse because they're criminals, right. Does the baby have a name? Uh, He is given the name of Robert William Pedro. Hi, Tom. God damn it. Last name. (laughs) <laughs> look i'm pretty Hi, sure i'm the mandalorian and this is my son the mandalorian <laughs> well i'm like i was thinking about it this week and it's like actually this might you know hit the right spot with people because the mandalorian <laughs> yeah well and also based off the <laughs> the mix-up that we had last week it's also um almost like three men and a baby and also when I said that some anime fans might recognize this whole plot, um, you ever heard of the movie Tokyo Godfathers? I know of it, haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, me neither. But yeah, it's like three homeless people in Tokyo find a baby in the trash and are trying to get her to safety. And do and they name this child after themselves as well? No, they name her Kyoko because Silent Night was playing and apparently that get the title gets translated as Kyoko. Okay. Or at some point, Kyoko is brought up in the song. Also, the reason why this is a Christmas movie is because it's based off of the story of the Three Kings from the Bible. And um, I guess little Robert, Robert William Pedro, is born on Christmas Eve. Okay. Yeah, though, uh, it's hard to tell if it was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day because, like, time is weird in this movie. But also, they're in the middle of the desert, so. Yeah. Also, if you're a fan of Ray Romano, apparently this story was also an influence on the film Ice Age. (laughs) I forgot about Ice Age. Which predates Tokyo Godfathers. Oh, oh, wow. (laughs) So you have to wonder whether it was the cowboy movies or whether it was Ice Age that more inspired Satoshi Kon. (laughs) God. (laughs) So yeah, this is a pretty straightforward reboot, though I do want to open it up for more diversity, of course, because like the Wild West was actually a lot more diverse than people tend to believe. Thanks, Hollywood. Yeah. Bring in just that little bit more realism. Like, you know, the Abilene kid's arm is actually kind of real fucked up. And okay, spoilers for this movie. The Abilene kid and Pedro do not make it through. They both die. Okay. Because, well, the kid succumbs to his wounds and dehydration, and then Pedro breaks his leg, and is like, yeah, I won't be able to climb that mountain that we gotta cross before we get to that town. Just carry him! (laughs) And the baby? Yes! 
<laughs> Carry them to the top of the mountain, and then sing while they drink. <laughs> Climb every mountain, ford every stream. <laughs> <laughs> How do you solve a problem like this, baby? <laughs> oh god, we're gonna turn it into Buster Scruggs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, aside from Abilene Kid's arm being fucked up, there's also, like, the mother probably bleeds out, and giving birth is usually a very messy affair, though it's very understandable why babies uh, in films tend to be the three-month-old infant trope. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> it was really hammered home for me this week because one of my uh, co-workers delivered her baby on Friday... So she was showing off the kid. Uh, this is all via like a conference call and all that. But like, like what I made. Is... Yeah, but yeah, that baby was tiny. Mm -hmm. About five pounds, and still has his eyes mostly closed. So yeah, yeah, I I completely understand why you tend to go for a slightly older baby when you're filming. Also, it was for everybody's sake. None of the outdoor scenes, except for, like, maybe one, involved the actual, like, human baby. It was pretty clear that for the stunt scenes, it was, like, a baby doll wrapped in a whole bunch of blankets. Twilight animatronic baby. <laughs> I mean, even in the 40s, they're not gonna risk a poor baby for a stunt. You're sure? Uh, I'm pretty sure. That bundle was very stiff in the wide shots. So, yeah, the big thing here is stuff that I noticed from the film, which would affect who we cast and the sort of tone that we're going for. So, tone-wise, and also because of recent things involving Red Dead Redemption, I was kind of aiming for a Twilight of the Old West feel. Because it's pretty clear from the costumes in the 48 film, especially the women's costumes, that it looks to be set in, like, the 1890s. Okay. Which would be in the, like, the latter stage of the Old West, of the Wild West. And the other thing I noticed was about John Wayne's character. Like, he was 39 when he filmed this, when he filmed Three Godfathers. But his character read, like, someone who was in their 20s. And I'm like, this is so weird. Why am I getting this vibe? And I think yeah, there, there was just something with the writing where it felt like it should have gone to a younger actor. Okay. But this is a John Ford film, so of course it's going to cast John Wayne in the lead. And I think he was supposed... Like, he's clearly the leader of the group, and he's supposed to be older than the kid, and about the same age as Pedro. So what I'm thinking... Because, okay, off mic, we had, like, kind of discussed... Uh, we had gone off topic about something and we had discovered that Tom Selleck was really into horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Inexplicably. He was in his own Yeehaw movie and he just really liked the horses. Yeah, he didn't want to leave his horse behind and now he has a ranch. So, I do think Tom Selleck is a bit too old for the for the main lead, but I'm thinking, like, if we're going for a Twilight of the Old West and we're going with, like, wrestlers who are down on their luck because, like, now we're introducing barbed wire and we're 
uh, it's the end of the free range era mm-hmm. for ranching that they've turned to robbing banks. Like they're getting that desperate. So I would say Rob or Bob should be played by someone in their thirties. Uh, Pedro, we can be a little bit more free with, but I'm thinking he should have experience with like some life experience. He has been married. He has kids. Like that's the reason why he was the one who was doing most of the actual like midwifery <laughs> with, uh, with the mother. Mm-hmm. And then the Abilene kid, uh, there's a blink and you miss it moment when the sheriff is going through their wanted posters and it lists the age of the kid as being 26. And I'm like, what if he was a bit younger than that? Like Let's say in his teens, even at most 20. Okay. Like it really feels like he deserves the title, the Abilene kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bonnie and Clyde weren't that old when they were gunned down. <laughs> True. I'm looking up actors named Will. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't those Stranger Stranger Things kids getting close to at least late teens? Probably, but I don't think any of them were named Will. (laughs) Well, I was thinking of Finn Wolfhard. You were thinking of Will Finnhard. (laughs) (laughs) Does Finn Wolfhard look like he could survive in the Old West? Probably not. Like... (laughs) No... No, no shade, Finn Wolfhard, if you're listening, but you do look like a pampered sheriff's son who would who would storm out of the the tavern and say, "Papa, Papa." <laughs> the the what uh, what would Papa? The prostitutes will not to give me the discount. <laughs> yeah, Millie Bobby Brown would do great. Billy Bobby Brown, has she not already been in the Western? I feel like she she looks like she's no, been in No, she was in Enola Holmes. Right. Maybe maybe it's just because Eleven spends most of the first season looking absolutely filthy and she'd probably look similar in a Western movie. If True Grit had a, yet another remake, she would definitely be playing Maddie. <laughs> Are you going to do another True Grit remake? <sighs> it's too soon! <laughs> it's It's been ten years! Ah, uh, I'd rather wait another, like, five. There was less time between the Black Christmas remakes. Yeah, you are right. <laughs> ah, let's put it on the list. <laughs> yeah, Noah Schnapp <laughs> wouldn't do well either. Uh, Noah Schnapp, I think, he could pa- maybe put a few more years on him. He might be able to pass, specifically as someone whose nickname is The Kid. Yeah. I'm the Hawkins kid. <laughs> That's our weird Western version. Yeah. No, after after they finish this story, the Duffer brothers are going to go back and they're going to make <laughs> Stranger Things, the Yeehaw years. I watched that. But yeah, like, I don't know, probably find some young up-and-comer to... And then, yeah, Harper Patterson might be a good... <laughs> I don't know. He'll get him all scruffed up like he was in the lighthouse. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I can't cast Scott Eastwood in every cowboy movie. He could be the leader of the posse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can just, like, make the sheriff a bit younger. Because this is going to be a movie where uh, ASAB, all sheriffs are bastards. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, because we're cheering for the wrestlers, not the not, the law enforcement. Yeah, because there's a major misunderstanding involved because they do the posse finds the wagon and the mom's gone and like the sheriff puts two and two together that oh crap this is the wagon that my niece was in and uh, her husband her ditch dipshit of a husband is not here <laughs> her dipshit ditch digger dynamite <laughs> dastard <laughs> yeah so they thought that either our three rustlers had either kidnapped her or killed her so yeah there's even more incentive for them to be back for the um, for the posse to be bastards, and it's basically what saves uh, Bob at the end, who's the lone survivor of this group along with the baby, is that he got the baby to safety. Mm-hmm. Very dehydrated, full on hallucinating. I actually looked up like how long can people survive without water? Twenty four hours. Yeah. It's well, under those conditions, because they were in Death Valley. They were literally filming in Death Valley. True. Um, I also looked up what the medium temperature medium temperature there in December is. Uh, 12 degrees Celsius. Oh, yeah, that's hot. Yeah. Well, not that hot, but it's, it's not hot that for December, hot, but I like, guess. That's like your average day. And that's probably including nighttime temperatures. Mm-hmm. So, in reality, like, it can get stupidly hot in the middle of winter. And also, like, I would like to throw in a bit of extra realism where, um, yeah, this is Arizona, Nevada, and the Moa- basically the Mojave and Sonoran Desert. So, like, it is hot, but in winter, because it's at a high enough altitude, they do get snow. Mm-hmm. So... You know, they're actually dressed up fairly, like, they've got coats and scarves and all that sort of stuff. They do have to fight the cold. It's maybe uh, at the lower altitudes, it's more like a David Lane out in the middle of the Arabian Desert, dust storms, and then up above, it's a lot more rocky, a lot more forested, but also, like, you're dealing with snow. Mm-hmm. And also, like, the 48 film was an hour and... 45 minutes but it didn't feel like that it actually felt real fast Hmm. which gotta say good work there john ford i've sat through shorter films that have felt longer yeah probably the worst offender was the second amazing spider-man movie it did feel way too long oh that's because it just didn't end it just kept going So yeah, like, this is a film that is probably going to be no more than an hour and 45, if that. I would say probably an hour and a half. Yeah. People don't make normal films. Okay, lots of people make normal films anymore. They just don't get seen. They don't get hyped up enough. Yeah. We made a three-hour film, so now we have to make sure it's the only film that's ever advertised for anything. It always comes out in November so that you can hit that Oscar award season sweet time. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if this would be an award season fodder movie, but I would definitely get a bit of joy if this did come out during the Christmas season. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think either right at the tail end of the last episode or after we stopped recording last episode, we uh, I suggested, like, was this some kind of three wise men riff, almost? Yeah, like, ultimately, the, the novelette was inspired by the story of the three wise men. Or mm-hmm. the Three Kings. 
So we can just circle it back into there. Yeah. And it's not like this is a capital C Christian movie. It like anybody can use biblical references. Yeah. It's a public domain book and there are some pretty great stories in there before the Hayes code there was a shit ton of bible movies out there because oh yeah samson and delilah are pr- is a pretty saucy story and also the ending of that story is pretty epic like samson is basically like biblical conan the barbarian <laughs> <laughs> yeah all we really need to do to make this a christmas-esque movie is just set it during christmas yeah and I'll maybe even have one of the guys say, hey, it looks like we're a couple of three wise men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, of course, like this is the 1800s. There's Bibles all over the place. And the mother did have a Bible with her. So it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> Just so happens to fall on. Uh, I think it's Luke that has the story of the three wise men. I've never read a Bible. <laughs> Why, there hasn't been a Bible here for 25 years. (laughs) I was just looking it up because, like, the three wise men, they kind of have an interesting place because they're also called the Magi and they might have been Zoroastrian priests. Huh. Uh, It's from the book of Matthew. Okay. And uh, their names are Melchior, Caspar, Caspar, and Balthasar. Melchior is a Persian or. The Fanon is basically, Melchior is a Persian scholar. Uh, Kaspar is, um, I think he's supposed to be from India, and Balthazar is a Babylonian scholar. Okay. Yeah. So if we don't go with Bob, William, and Pedro, we could always do some sort of riff on Melchior, Kaspar, and Balthazar. And I mean, okay, in the movie... At the uh, trial scene where Bob gets a year and a day ultimately for robbery because they're like, you know what you did? Manage to get a baby across a fucking desert with no water and you nearly died doing it. So we're not going to punish you that hard. He states his full name as Robert Marmaduke Hightower. Marmaduke? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the Victorians. But we could switch that out for, like, Milky or Balthazar or Casper. Those, those could be, like, their surnames. Or just a middle name. like. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Bob Balthazar Bobson. <laughs> you find yourself charged with three, with five counts of cattle rustling, one count of trying to rob a bank one count of we thought you killed a woman (laughs) and seven counts of dad jokes (laughs) yeah i don't think the 40s quite understood what the dad joke was (laughs) (laughs) but we sure do (laughs) but yeah this is just a cute little movie And hopefully less problematic, even though, to be honest, at least by my standards, Three Godfathers wasn't as problematic as I was expecting. Hmm. That's good to hear. Yeah. Like, Pedro does lean into some Mexican stereotypes, and they do make comments about the whole Spanish language stuff, but you know what? Pedro was, like, the MVP. 
He's the one who delivered the fucking baby. Yeah. I was um I was thinking of other ways we could end this because like having two of them die kind of sucks. Yeah, that that sucks. But I was also thinking like it'd be easy tier points to kill the kid. Like if we're going to kill anyone, I think we should kill the kid. <laughs> I don't want anyone to die though. Okay. So I'll scrap that ending cuz here was my idea is that uh cuz it was Bob. Yeah. So Bob will instead of Pedro breaking his legs, Bob breaks his leg or gets shot in the leg. And so, Bob will be like, okay, well, I've, I've held on to the baby. Like, they're gonna, they're catching up to me. So, you know what? At least if I give the baby to the authorities, I know that it will be safe. Uh, you two go right away. And they're like, no, Bob, we can't leave you. You've also, you've become a surrogate father, not only to this child, but also to us. <laughs> because you're old. We're all godfathers, damn it. <laughs> you, listen, you're Robert Pattinson, but you're like a father to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Robert Pattinson can look 40, apparently. Robert Pattinson can probably look any age he so desires. Yes. <laughs> also, making casting Robert Pattinson as a character who has to carry a baby around is probably one of the best ways to make him take a role seriously, because <laughs> Robert, Robert, I know that you want to be feral all the time, but you're holding a baby? Maybe reel it in a little. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what they say, never work with children, puppets, animals, or Robert Pattinson. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> <laughs> that was jokes. That was jokes, Robert Pattinson. Please be in our movie. Yes. <laughs> but but like so so Pedro and the kid run off um and then Bob has to like he gives the authorities the baby and then he's like in prison. They're like, listen, you you delivered a, you saved this baby from the harsh wilderness of Arizona. So we're not gonna kill you. But we will lock you in prison for the rest of your life. Because you tried to rob a bank and also were assholes. Yeah. And then the end of the movie would have the kid and Pedro like showing back up and they bust him out of prison again. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, they just drive off into the sunset. Yeah. Da, or... da, 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 <laughs> Well, they introduce this one chick like early on. She doesn't really do anything. She isn't even really a love interest. She's just like pretty. It's kind of a a bit of a distraction before the bank robbery. But, like, I think we can change around some of the relationships where instead of the sheriff's wife being the aunt of the woman who dies, she's, like, uh, this girl who shows up, Ruby, is actually the sister. Okay. And maybe she's, like, I don't know what her relationship to the sheriff would be. Maybe the sheriff is kind of sweet on her and is trying to impress her. And she's, like, nah, man. I went to a fancy school in Denver, and I am far better than you. (laughs) But Robert Pattinson, depending on how cleaned up he wants to get for this role. (laughs) He doesn't have to get cleaned up at all. Like, one of the things I meant to say earlier is that all the guys in this... (laughs) I mean, the the appeal is more like... A decent man? Yeah, a decent man. He seems like a decent man, he's just down on his luck. Whatever. Yeah. So maybe she's the one who gives the um, who catches them in a conversation where it's like, hey, uh, or they mention like how they came into town, and it's like, oh, you were on the same trail that my sister and her dipshit husband were on. <laughs> this was a thing early on in the film where they comment on the niece's husband as being a fucking dipshit. <laughs> so this is known. 
<laughs> so maybe it's this other girl, Ruby, who is like, yeah, my sister and her dipshit husband are also on that route. Uh, did you see them? No, we didn't. Um, okay, well, if you're heading out that way again or wherever, uh, just be on the lookout for them because I know my brother-in-law will get lost. <laughs> <laughs> is this before or after they find out what happened to the dipshit husband? Uh, before. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because I was thinking, I what, said, what, if, what if it happened after at like one of their pit stops, <laughs> and they're like just <laughs> trying to hide the baby? And she's like, "Yeah, my sister and she was about to give birth, and her dipshit husband was probably gonna blow himself up with dynamite." And they're like, "Oh, that's a fascinating story." <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I uh, was hiccups. Ah! <laughs> but my thought was like, this girl could actually end up helping them out. You know, uh, maybe she's the one who like takes in the baby. Even though I'm a single woman out on the lonesome frontier. No, what if uh, what if we three men and a baby it, and it's like after after uh, what's his name Bob after yeah. Bob Robertson gets broken out of prison, and they're like they're gonna ride off into the sunset, and then Ruby shows up with the baby, and she's like, I want to join the three of you because you were better parents to this baby than the dipshit ditch digging husband ever could have been. <laughs> Now, this baby has three fathers. Yeah. Well, three men and a baby. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I was thinking is that maybe another way to just demonstrate subtextually that the sheriff and his posse are assholes is that they're the only ones who don't shit talk the husband constantly. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm mostly going to call him a tenderfoot, which generally implies this is a city boy. (laughs) City boy! I mean, I, I, I was even thinking, like, I mean, maybe this is going too far into the point of parody, but, the, like, they come across the scene and it's like, those those nefarious cattle rustlers, they killed this woman and her good, honorable husband and stole their baby. <laughs> and then we, we cut to the godfathers and maybe the kids just listing off, like, all the various ways that the husband could have helped dig a well that didn't involve getting himself blown up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, if I remember right, in the movie, he blows up the well, and then he's like, Don't worry, my lovely wife, I will go and get help, just hold tight. And she's like, I'm about to give birth, you fucking asshole! (laughs) Oh, I was under the impression he just blew himself up with the well? (laughs) That might work, too. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's all I want to be in this version. (laughs) it's just that little bit gorier than the 48 film could ever be (laughs) an an obvious like paper mache arm just comes flying out of the well (laughs) we hear a Wilhelm scream from somewhere (laughs) he like he jumps in there with the lit stick and the wife's just like no stop come back (laughs) <laughs> Goosh. Well, my water broke. <laughs> Ma'am, it appears her husband blew himself up. That's not important right now. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot tell you how bloodless this film was because Pedro steps out of the wagon and is like, yeah, I don't think the mom's going to make it and he's wearing a makeshift a makeshift apron and there is not a speck of blood on this and I'm like that placenta is just full of blood <laughs> I say as someone who came out on time 
It's it's like that Cardi B song, Wet and Gushy. <laughs> well, I was making that joke because my darling brother was a preemie, <laughs> almost born in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> and you were two weeks late, right? I was four days late. I was supposed to be a Halloween baby. Okay. So a week at most. Yeah. My uh my coworker's baby was at least two weeks late because like after she came back from med leave, she was telling us how she was jumping down the stairs in her house trying to induce. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, I was hearing from uh my boss today that uh one of her kids uh was shares a birth date with a lot of other kids born his year because apparently a heat wave had struck Regina at that time and all of the mothers went into labor. (laughs) 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 They actually induced her early so she would be ready for when a bed like was open. (laughs) Listen, we've got a queue for him, but you run the raffle. Yeah. <laughs> now, at least with an itty bitty little newborn, they're not really going to be doing much other than crying and pooping. Yeah. And oh yeah, this is an era before like the disposable diaper where you can just go like whoop, you know, get them all in nice, and then you just have to wipe their butt and throw it away. No, they got cloth diapers. Ah, uh, they're <laughs> the. The, the godfathers are trying to cut one of their blankets into a diaper, and meanwhile they gave the they give the kid to the kid. <laughs> Who has a busted arm? <laughs> like what what do I do with this? And like what if what if it goes more? I don't know, just hold it over a river. <laughs> like I was thinking if we wanted to add some drama, maybe at some point the kid's arm starts getting gangrenous. Ooh. Yeah, it was something I thought of from um, one of my favorite movies is The Guns of Navarone. And there's a point of drama fairly early on where one of the members of this SOE team that's going in to blow up a bunch of uh, naval guns on this Greek island of Navarone. They're climbing up some rocks. He breaks his leg. So they got to truck him around a whole bunch of the island for a bit until they can find a doctor. And he's like, guys, don't pussyfoot around this. I'm smelling my leg. It's bad. It's gonna need to be cut off. And maybe there's like a point like Bob and Pedro are trying not to talk about it too much, but they, they're starting to smell something and the kid at some point is like, yeah, I can smell it too. We're gonna have to do some uh, surgery. <laughs> that that might be like the belly of the whale moment for them where it's yeah. like, yeah, we could do something like that. Like, it's just interjecting a couple of moments of realism. So with the mother's uh, birth, like we got to make the wagon a bit bloodier. And with the kid, we're probably going to be doing some emergency surgery. At the very least, getting the bullet out. You you are going out of your way to make this the bloodiest non-horror Christmas movie. <laughs> because why the fuck not? Yeah, true, true. It makes their victory sweeter. We went through all of this. We saved the baby. Let's go to California. Because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, if they were over in Death Valley, they're practically in California. 
Yeah, and then and then over the credits, we'll have someone singing a country Christmas cover of California. That's a- <laughs> okay. Maybe not a country cr- Christmas cover, but someone doing their best Marty Robbins. I mean, ma- ma- making a song a Christmas song is super easy. Actually, you just put jingle bells in the background. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, this is going to be Buster Scruggs, the Christmas edition. (laughs) (laughs) The Carol of Buster Scruggs. Yes. (laughs) And it's a one-off movie. I don't want to do sequels to this. Yeah, obviously. But hey, I don't know. Maybe Robert William Pedro Hightower becomes, uh, I don't know. This is the 1890s. Maybe he's Robin Banks. The new, the new man with, who's who's the who's the man from the country movies? The man without a name, the man with no name. Oh, the, uh, Clint Eastwood's character, the man with no name. Yeah, that guy <laughs> is the, the spiritual successor played by Robert Pattinson, the man with like seven names. <laughs> <laughs> Ro- Robert Bob Balthazar Melchior Caspar Robertson. Esquire. <laughs> I mean, it would be a switch from the usual trope regarding, like, um, Spanish names being overly long. <laughs> <laughs> Pedro was just Pedro. At most, he is uh, Juan Pedro Rocafuerte. We we could easily put this into parody, like, yeah, <laughs> have have the posse mix up Pedro with every other Pedro they come across. <laughs> every vaguely brown person you co- constantly misattribute where the kid is from yeah <laughs> there he is the denver kid i'm from fucking texas there he is the alaska kid god damn it the the, the posse bursts in after credits we're looking for the one-armed man <laughs> sorry no luck i've only seen a one-armed kid <laughs> he gets a prosthetic immediately. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is probably going to be a dark parody and something that gets shown as like an alternative to a Hallmark movie <laughs> that your mom forces on you. Ro- Robert Balthazar Pattinson the Third will return in for Godfathers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, totally, we can make this somewhere. Like, also, like, somewhere around, like, how, uh, freaking Die Hard is a Christmas movie? <laughs> okay, so here's the thing, is that I, I feel like by my rules, my personal rules, this wouldn't be a Christmas movie because Christmas wouldn't factor into the plot, it's just the setting. Okay. But it would still be Christmassy enough that you could justify watching it during Christmas. Yeah. I, f- I feel like actually this one had might even have a better argument for it being a Christmas movie just because the themes are similar to The Three Wise Men. Like, intentionally, we've already mentioned this. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas there's no there's no biblical story that you can map onto Die Hard, I don't think. <laughs> Maybe. I don't even think you could do Samson and Delilah. Is hang on. Actually, is is Jesus flipping tables in the Temple of Jerusalem a diehard story? <laughs> I wish it was. Cause it's just him against all the gamblers and merchants who are villains in that story. Oh my god! That's our sequel where Robert William Pedro <laughs> becomes a Robin Hood like figure. <laughs> 
in the 20s. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, I think we've pretty much exhausted what we can do with this movie, other than turning it into a dark parody of itself. (laughs) (laughs) It will be on Netflix, and we'll probably get some praise at, like, the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, I should try my hand at a Western movie at some point. You know, I bet I could make a legitimate Western parody if I tried. Yep, it's honestly not that hard. Also, you can draw from the samurai genre because both of these genres fed into each other. It's an yep. Ouroboros of influence. Yes. I hope they make an anime version of this movie, too. Yes. <laughs> and and a cartoon version that has prehistoric megafauna. <laughs> I mean, the parody of this parody version would include a samurai. Yes. <laughs> but, in the meantime, I think... I think there's a friendship promo down here. I'm going to go dig it out with some dynamite. Wish me luck. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? You like role-playing game actual play podcasts? You like Kingdom Hearts? You want nonstop jokes punctuated by unexpected and massive angst? You enjoy a healthy disregard for Disney's greed and overreach in regards to copyright law? Well then, do we have the podcast for you. Kingdom Hearts of Forgotten Era is an actual play podcast that takes place 80 years before the events of Birth by Sleep, using the interstitial Our Hearts Intertwined system. We follow a group of five people going on adventures through the Disney worlds never seen before in the Kingdom Hearts series, as they try to overcome the darkness within their own hearts. With episodes dropping every Wednesday, we release way more often than the real thing. Also, Kronk is there! It's okay, I'm fine. I just blew up some dipshit husband. Oh, that's good. I wonder if we can put cusses in podcast titles. I'd probably have to censor it. <laughs> probably. <laughs> it's almost funnier like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's what's funniest is when you censored like unrelated words that aren't even cusses. Yeah. <laughs> like s asterisk per natural. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, little lady, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on that bird site um, <laughs> at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A. And you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? Y'all can find me on Twitter at SpockyUpstart, on Instagram at SpockyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at NIIYFPod. Those are the letters when not if I reboot you first, and they're pronounced Yeah! Kind of sound like an auctioneer with this voice. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Except I can't think of anything to auction off. <laughs> Go once, going twice, sold. Y'all can also email us at notifarbootyoufirst at gmail.com. It's where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, your favorite ass age movie. That's where you can send us a friendship probably an audio clip through for us to read, or either way, we'll send it in free, put it in a free ad for your podcast on YouTube, even even are. You can even ask us to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint and send in the entire videos. We like being surprised. If you like to support us directly, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash notifarbootyoufirst. We can get a bevy of bonuses by supporting us financially, including weekly show for all our patrons, including Ram, Jenny, Julia, Christina, Cassie, and Charlie. Thank you all. That being said, we know that there are plenty of more important causes out there, such as uh, such as the current runoff elections happening in Georgia soon. Uh, there is also the typhoon in the Philippines that left many people without homes or with damaged homes. And recording this on American Thanksgiving. And so this is just a reminder that many First Nations and Native Americans have been disenfranchised over the several centuries. So make sure you're able to find a place to donate to them. There are very many uh, charitable organizations that help them out. 
That being said, this doesn't help them to support us by leaving a rating and review of your podcast of choice. And if you can't find us in your podcast of choice, then contact me. I'll try and get us in there. Not if I you first, as a member of the Poor Podcast Network, and you can find out more of the gossip shows we share with the network with that corner on Twitter. Last but not least, our cover is always by Alex A. Pachu, and her work can be found at pchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clay. Can you find contact us on Alex A. Pachu? You can find contact us on your own. Soul! <laughs> I hope none of that was intelligible. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the point. <laughs> Why do birds suddenly appear every time I auctioneer? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get a Letterkenny reference in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tanner, do you have a, a hint for next week? Uh, I do. I'll, I can tell you this. It is Christmas, but it's not a cowboy movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, yeah, next week, uh, uh, we're gonna fill it in our fingers. We're gonna fill it in our toes. Love is all around us. <laughs> Oh shit, fuck, bug our wank, ass, head, and hole. <laughs> Christmas is all around us. <laughs> but not if we reboot you first. Bye! Bye!